Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. And we're back with a fresh cup of joe. A fresh cup of joe and a smoke. Smoking a pancake. <laughs> Pipe in a clamp. No. <laughs> Sugar and a waffle. No. And there's simply no pleasure. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck. Uh, fuck. Anyway, so we were talking about finding inspiration, and before we started this, uh, the second section of the podcast, mm. Tim has already got his story lined up. Yeah, my my inspiration at the moment is David Goggins. That man is a fucking machine. He's a machine for sure. Um, he's and not human. He's not human. I think he's alien. Uh. But you know, for someone, he's a he's an ultra runner. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He's done quite a bit of shit, but he's done a ton of ultras. Actually, a shit ton of ultras. And for those of you who don't know what a shit ton is, according to Walter Sorrells, it's four point seven six seven three uh, metric tons. Walter Sorrells here with more tips for the knife maker. Do 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 do. Finding inspiration in the workshop can be a difficult thing as a knife maker. Now, especially... (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not going to go down that avenue. I love that guy. He's actually got legit um, advice, like really, really good advice. Yeah. But Um, yeah, my my inspiration is David Gong, because that egg is just a fucking machine. I mm. mean, uh, the beginning of this week, I was in a a dark place because I had to go to the fucking day job of mine. Fuck, I hate it. But um, yeah, I was in a, day, a dark place, and, and David Goggins just finished the Moab 240, which is a 240-mile trail race. Um, he finished second in a time of 61 or 62 hours. Don't quote me on that, but it, it was – it's a fucking badass race, that. And yeah. it's not like he didn't have his issues. I mean, he had issues with his feet and things like that. Yeah. But uh, – yeah, he, he, he posted a video on Instagram and it just switched my mood completely. He was just shit there, there, English. English. He was uh, just sending a message to his mom who had said that, uh, you know, maybe it's time. He's 45, he's got bad knees, you know, he's, he's had a good run, but now it's now time to hang up his shoes. And he says, you know, I almost believed you for a bit, but uh, then, you know, things that are unfinished, they, they haunt me. And uh, so he went because he he didn't finish the Moab 240 last year. He got uh, high alt- altitude edema, or whatever. It fluid on his lungs. Yeah. And he had to leave the course, so he was disqualified, um, which is in the rules or whatever. Uh, so he, although he did come back the next day against mm-hmm. doctor's advice, don't get a high altitude. He went back and he finished the route to just before the finish line. Because you can't officially finish the race. That that that's that shows mm. the kind of person that guy is. Because mm. that is extreme mental strength. And it's it's was still unfinished business for him. Yeah. And uh, I love watching his his short little videos on Instagram. <clears throat> uh, he posted one because he, he had his knees drained a couple of months ago because uh, they fucked, and then. Uh, he posted a video and there he is fucking in his shorts running, ripped body, and he's like, you motherfuckers, 
thought I was done, that I was gone. But I'm sad to tell you, I'm back, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got so much energy. It's it's mm. incredible, and not just just not just the energy in the the conventional sense of the word, but yeah. just just this inner energy, which is it's, crazy. It's it's like uh, uh, Lex Friedman is is he, he, uh, he was on uh, he's an AI specialist. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's he said you know he likes to follow uh, Goggins because. You know, every now and then you just need to feel like you're a soft little bitch and you need to hard up and, yeah. and you know, get at it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Whatever you're doing, whether it be fucking running or knife making or bushcrafting, you know, you need, at some point you need to get up your, off your ass yeah. and fucking get at it. Mm. And that's about finding inspiration. Sometimes it's, you can't wait for inspiration to find you. You actually got to get up. Yeah. And get into the motion of things, and you will get the inspiration. Absolutely. So, you know, um, one of the things is uh, when you you battling, and I and I battle a lot sometimes. Is that just go and do one simple task. Set your mind to do one simple task. For me, it is getting out of bed in the morning and just making the bed, which I didn't do today because I'm off because my wife is away for the weekend. <laughs> but it's so like just that. get out do one simple task yeah. and take it from there yeah. so it's setting like mini goals so yeah. like if I'm not I know I've got orders to finish and I'm I'm not in the mood or just in a dark place it's like go put a podcast on sit and do yeah. some drawing yeah. go do a little bit of hand sanding even if you only do like two grits at least you've achieved something and you say look it was a shit day, but at least I got A, B, and C done. Yeah. I made my bed. I... It's a, it's a mental game. It's a yeah. big mental game, and your mind is like a muscle. Yeah. The more you practice mm. not finding excuses mm. and practicing getting shit done, mm. you you become better at it. Yeah. Now, yes, depression is a real thing, and mm. and all these all these different things taken into consideration, and mm. it's all dependent on your on your lot in life. But at the end of the day, by and large, you're in control of your own. Uh, I don't want to use the word destiny, but you're in in control of your own life, and I, you're as in control as you want to be. It says I have to bring up a David Goggins quote. Since he's my inspiration, is like. At some point, you have to realize the cavalry ain't fucking coming. <laughs> that's the that's it. That You've got to get up off your ass yeah. and just get yeah. at it. Yeah. Even if it is fucking like pulling teeth, you you just and the the act of getting into motion, although it's difficult, once you're in motion, you stay in motion. That's why I like weed so much. Yeah, but. Because yeah, <laughs> the, yeah like, look, it's it, not, it's not, it's not something that a lot of people mm, uh, respect, and mm, and people have got a, a very bad relationship with weed, I think, and that's 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 okay too. Mm, but I think that, like for me, it opens me up, and it mm, uh, it makes me think about things that I don't generally think about, and it mm, also helps me get into that flow state. We were spoke we smoking. <coughs> wow. Spoking. <laughs> we were smoking about it. We were speaking about it earlier. In the car, yeah. In the car and uh we were talking about the flow state. Yeah. And it's it's I mean even Joe Rogan, I mean 
he says we drives him sometimes. It's like he gets that paranoia. It's like fuck, I've got to get shit done. Yeah, and and some people who work, some it's it's like any medication. For some people, it's going to work. For some people, it won't. Who was saying that? Somebody was saying I was watching this guy on YouTube, and he was saying that. Uh, this is actually quite ironic because it actually relates to what we're talking about mm. right now. Um, and he was saying that a lot of his audience say, how, how do you get so much shit done in the workshop? Like, so he works with wood specifically. Um, so he makes furniture and shit. Who's this now? I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but because now I'm interested. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try and find him and send you the link, but, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It's the first time I've watched his channel. Um, but he was basically giving a few tips and tricks mm. on uh, woodworking tips that he picked up along mm. the way. And then he was also talking about, um, you know, a lot of his audience said that, you know, how, how do you get so much shit done in your workshop? Like, how are you so productive? And he said that the way he thinks about it is, is that his life depends on it. Like, he... He's, Fuck, okay. Yeah. So, he says... He says that he, whenever he's building something, he thinks about, I'm building myself a, uh, what do they call it? Like a, like a, you know, the zombie apocalypse thing. Mm. You've got this underground thing. What is that called? A bunker. Bunker. bunker yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm making a bunker and I've, I've got this much time. Mm. And if I don't complete it in that time, I'm dead. Mm. Now I know that's very radical, but it's, it's. You've got to find what works for you and what drives mm. you. Yeah. And then once you find that, execute on it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I wanted to say something, but now the squirrels came. Inma, the Inma. squirrels. They are abundant. They are abundant. Um, Get a shotgun. Oh, yeah. It was an author and someone asked him, how do you manage to write so, so much? And he said, 200 miserable words a day. Sure. So he, he just sets a task of, I'm just going to write 200 words. Yeah. And whether it's good or bad or whatever, I'm going to write fucking 200 words. Yeah. So like when we, I was at uh, Master Jack on Thursday when Trenton was getting bitch slapped around <laughs> on his apprenticeship. <laughs> but I, I, was t I was saying to, to, to Jack that uh, I want to join the guild because – it's, you know, I think it, it's, I want to push my, my knife making skills to the next level. And, and his first words were, so that means you're willing not to make a shit knife ever again. Yeah. And I'd never thought of it in that, in that yeah. sort of perspective. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and actually joining the South African Knife Makers Guild, if you pass the, the entrance criteria, it actually means you're not going to build another shit knife again. Because yeah. if you do, you get, you get three strikes, don't you? I don't even know if you get three strikes, but if, if you get a complaint and you cannot rectify it, they can actually take your membership. Yeah, away. yeah, yeah. And yeah. they and, and any time as well, they can ask you to resubmit knives. Yes. So it's 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 a pressure. It it is a pressure, but it's yeah. a healthy pressure. It's a healthy pressure. And it's the same I don't know who said it, but uh, someone said it if you want to improve your efficiency in making a knife. Set yourself a limit, and what you have to do is, 
when you reach the 10 hours or the 20 hours, whatever you're going to spend on that knife, if that knife is not finished, you have to chuck it in the fuck it bucket. That sounds like a Niels thing. I don't know if it's a Niels, but someone said it. But it's a scary prospect because you may just be half an hour away from finishing it. But you have to have that uh, dedication to say, I said I'm going to chuck it in the fuck it bucket if I don't uh, get this done in this amount of time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, just on that topic, look, we've spoken about it before, but the, um, 48 hour dagger build, mm. I know Jacques Mungus did a few, uh, things after that, like mm. the 48 hour Bowie build we and did the, a, the sword build. We did the sword build. Yeah. I, I, when I realized how incapable i was of completing the the dagger build Mm. i was like fuck that Mm. but it wasn't out of a a bad attitude it was just that i was literally not capable of producing anything at that point because i had to for the dagger build i had to use a file Mm. a really hardened file because i couldn't heat treat i didn't have quenching oil i didn't have forge now sure you could come up with other ways of doing it but yeah it's it's it was a mission anyway i completed the dagger build just just but it and it was and it was built entirely of scrap yeah every 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 single thing was scrap even the guard was from a scrap piece of brass that you took out of a fire extinguisher fire extinguisher it's like no, Trent, because we were chatting at that stage. We had these these group chats and things, and I said to Trenton, you know, if you cut it in such a way, you can make it into a guard, and you can use that piece for the guard, yeah. and then you'll have a piece left over for the, the pommel or, yeah. or yeah. whatever. But yeah. it was – I know you were, you were seriously mentally fucked after that. I was dead, bro. I was dead. Like, the amount of time – the problem for me is uh, – extreme concentration for a long period of time because mm. of epilepsy it it, it mm. affects me mm. um i wish it didn't but that's that's my lot in life and i i deal with it um so to build something at that sort of intensity rate mm. i know for a lot of other guys that's not intense at all it's just like it's it's, a, it's, it's a swing in the breeze but but it depends it also depends on how much you're pushing yourself yeah so for someone who's so new in knife making Mm. To make a dagger, a symmetrical dagger, a symmetrical dagger. <laughs> oh, it's not very fucking symmetrical. No, <laughs> it's not. It's not. But to to make a, a symmetrical dagger, something you've never done, and you're putting yourself under extreme pressure. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot out of you. Um. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, some people, and the thing is, the the way I look at it as well. If you're not under that pressure, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Sure. Okay, this is not strictly speaking for like a time challenge or something like that. Yeah. Um, look, you don't want to do that every single day because you will burn yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt a couple of times ready. Look, there's, look, there's, if if you if you're capable of doing it, I mm. think it's a good thing. Yeah, but I think Niels Niels could do that every day of the week. Because he's just a fucking animal. I I don't think so. He's busy with so many things. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if he wasn't busy with so many things... Yeah, sure, sure. He could do that. He could, yeah. 
But I'm not saying it's it's not possible. It's just that he's he's always busy with so many different things. Yeah, it's incredible. I don't think that guy fucking sleeps. To be honest, dude, how do you sleep when you've got so much stuff that he does? Like it's. But I think he's just he's gifted in a way that he can handle that. For me, yeah, I'm not very good at multitasking. It's a misnomer. It's a misnomer. You, 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 you. I, I, it's like I can't, I can't work on different projects at a time. I, yeah, because because my focus, I get sort of hyper focused, mm. so I can only really, I can only really truly focus on one project at a time. So yeah. I can't work on one project. Okay, I've done X, now I'm going to move on to the next. Uh, on go to work on this part and that because then my brain just goes into a. Hey, but we were busy there. And I, I can't get that focus. That's why if I get interrupted while I'm working. Yes. It, it interrupts that flow big time. I get so buff. Yeah. It's like if I'm driving and someone phones me, I'm in mm. a bad mood already. Yeah. Because I'm fucking driving. Mm. Mm. I don't have time to speak on the phone. I mm. can barely concentrate while I'm driving. Never mind concentrate on driving and work with the phone. How how important do you think it is to slow slow the fuck down? It's very important. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's what I I like about hand sanding, particularly. Mm, yeah, it's like it's still work, but it causes you to slow down. It causes you to slow down. Yeah. So you need to you need to stop and breathe a little bit sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my brain starts going into overactive mode, and then I need to slow the fuck down. Yeah. Because because then I start fucking up at too many things. So what I like to do, especially if I'm hand sanding, is I'll put a, a, a podcast on. Yeah. There's a really great podcast that I listen to. It's called Open Hearthcast, which is what you listen to right now. Shameless plug-in right there. <laughs> but I'll listen to our podcast or I'll listen to the Forgecast, which yeah. is another great podcast. It's, it's incredible. I love the Forgecast. Or I'm listening to the all-time best ever, uh, uh, Joe, Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you got me onto Joe Rogan. Yeah, I, I had watched his. Thanks, bro. I had watched his. Uh, man, he was interviewing this this rapper. What's his name? Was something? I can't remember. But wasn't it? Pat Malone. No, not post. He did interview Post, post Malone, Malone, which was also a great mm-hmm. episode. I really enjoyed that because mm. I. Post Malone's, like, I don't generally listen to rap. Yeah. There's some rap that I can listen to, but I mostly (coughs) listen to rock and many different types of music. But Post Malone is a a good, Mm. it's a good refresher for me. Mm. You know, like, I'll I'll listen to a whole bunch of different rock music and then I'll go to Post Malone. Mm. And that just sort of resets what I Mm. like listening to. Mm. I don't know how to quite put it. But anyway... This this guy, uh, whatever his name was, was was something I can't remember. But he does kickboxing mm. and all sorts of things, and he's been doing it for about two or three years. Don't quote yeah. me on it, but and he's ripped. Mm. He's like he used to be skinny as fuck, and now mm. he's like ripped, and you can actually see he's he's really been focusing mm. hard on this, and this. And this guy blazes all day. Like oh, a rapper. all day. That's what he does. Like mm. he's in the studio, he gyms 
and he blazes. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he does other shit too, but how did we get onto this? this that's like, how you got onto Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's how I got into Joe Rogan. But mm. what I was going to say, we, we were talking about slowing down. Mm. Okay. Now, this is something I wanted to mention. Before you mention it, yeah. I'll get to what I do with a hand sandy. So I, if I'm in it, my brain is overactive or whatever, or I'm overthinking shit, yeah. then I, when I need to slow down, then I'll do some hand sanding. I'll mm. put a podcast on yeah, or I'll put music on and I'll hand sand. And that simple repetitive task gives your brain time to slow down a little bit and yeah. think and process information yeah. because you get that information overload and my brain goes to division by zero, cannot compute, fucking error, throws the smoke out the ears. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's it's important. So, mm. you know, look, I've always known that, that slowing down is, is important, but it be- – Became particularly evident to me when uh, when Jacques Mungus came to visit me. Okay, and uh, I was saying to him because he was uh, he was like, "Where's your grinder?" Because mm. you know my my mm. grinding room is separated mm. from my workshop, and I was like, "Yeah, look, you know, I want to keep the grinding room there, but at the same time, I've been contemplating keeping it inside the actual workshop." And he's like, "Don't." Two reasons. He's like, first of all, it makes things fuck up dirty." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I get that." And he's like, the second thing is, you've got to walk to your grinding room. Mm. That takes time. So mm. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. He's like, no, it's not a problem. He's like, take that time to slow down and yeah. figure out what you're going to be doing. That's so true. And that for me, like it's such a simple statement, but it's so true. And it- and that's coming from a guy who's been making knives for what? Four or five years. Four or five he's about, years. The, about the same time I've been making knives. Yeah. Um, but he's made a shit ton of knives. He's made a shit ton of knives, yeah. I think um, he, he may have made more, more knives than you. He's made more knives than me, yeah. definitely. But he has the benefit of having had a power hammer, which is now – that was the power hammer I used to work on when I got the chance. And me and, me and Jacques used to work on, this, on a straightforward barter system. So I would go there and work on his power hammer – and get some shit that he need done, and I would always leave tools there for him. So I would leave some. I would take a whole shit ton of tongs, and I'd say, Jacques, what tongs do you need? He said, uh, Let me see what you got. No, I'll take that one and that one, and then I can use a power hammer. Or I made went to make hammers, yeah. and I'm, I made a punch there to punch a round hole, and then you drift it. Because when you punch a round hole in a hammer, you don't have to worry about the eye lining up, because when you squash it on the sides again, it makes the eye the right shape. And okay. it's symmetrical. Okay. But that tool, I can't really use in my workshop. So I just left it there because Jacques was playing with making hammers. And he said, thanks for leaving that tool for me. I said, yeah. yeah, I know. I left it there with a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's, he's a really mm. cool guy. Like, mm. I, I didn't know if I was going to get on with him when I spoke to him over the phone. Yeah. Because he, mm. he seemed a little bit withdrawn. Mm-hmm. In some ways, mm. but and I mean, the first time I spoke to you, you yeah. also seemed a bit with, withdrawn. But mm. now you can't shut me the fuck up. Now I can't shut you the fuck up. Damn. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, meeting him in person was a was a brilliant experience, and and um, he he just gave some really good pointers, mm. which is which is great because <clears throat> that's what I like so much about the guys 
especially here in South Africa, and you get mm. you get your bastards all over the world, mm. you know, within whatever mm. industry you're looking at. But mm. by and large, the makers in South Africa are very, very helpful. And, and, and very giving. They're very giving. And, and resources. And, and also, a lot of them don't take things personally. So, like, I can tell Trent to fuck off and he'll tell me to fuck off. But... <laughs> Yeah, although, although we don't, but mm. it's uh, mm. it's it's a mutual respect, I think. Where yeah, someone will say, "Oh, but I think this is I know fuck off, let's talk." And think yeah, maybe, maybe not. But <clears throat> we have a very good, healthy knife making community mm. in South Africa. And you've I mean, got to, you've also got to learn if you're going to become a knife maker you've mm. got to learn to put your fucking ego aside you've got to put it away in a cupboard mm. until you go like i don't know do some manly shit mm. i don't know but like that's the thing for me is mm. like guys with ego mm. is it's it's mind-blowing ego doesn't last in the knife making community it because the thing is if you're going to be a doist you have to learn how to play with the other children. Yeah. And if you can't play with the other children. Nobody likes you. Nobody, nobody wants likes to help you. Nobody wants to help you. Yeah. And you'll be at a point where you need some help with a specific task. And yeah. because you're a doist, no one's going to help Nobody's going to help And you. you're going to have to take the very hard path. Yeah. 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 So that's that's actually rule number four. Don't be a doist. Yeah. I, I think we've got a lot of rules, but they're sort of unspoken rules. It's mm. kind of like the, the don't, don't. Take the neighboring urinal. It's an unspoken, yeah. unspoken rule. <laughs> yeah. You know? You don't and have those, to write that one down. And those separators between you are just a facade of privacy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you talk to the fucker next to you. You think it's okay. And he's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking to? Why are you talking to me while I'm pissing? Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Mm. Anyway, it's kind of like that. It's mm. an unspoken rule. Don't let ego get involved in mm. your progress yeah because i mean everybody's on their own journey at their own speed mm. and you don't need to be a dick about it if you take children for example mm. children are always asking questions mm. there's no ego involved yeah there's there's i mean look i'm not a parent so i wouldn't really know but i think that kids we can learn a lot from mm. kids in terms of just removing ego from whatever it is that you're doing because you cannot learn shit mm. if you are egotistical. If um, you if you have a chip on your shoulder about mm. something, get over it, figure out, do some self-evaluation, figure out what shit mm. is making you like that, mm. get over it, and then you will progress. Yeah, I mean, when I was still a student, that was many years ago, um, I was still in a the, student, dude. You learn every day. No, when I was at university. Oh, when you were at university. When university is the fount of knowledge where many people go to drink. And that's what I did. That's and why I took it on. weed. Yeah. Shit. But um, the, we had the shooting club. So I was part of the committee and we used to teach people how to shoot. And it was just easier to teach chicks how to shoot because they actually listen to you. Yeah. I've and they that. don't have... They don't have that, um, you know, ego, like, I'm a guy, I'm supposed to know how to shoot type of thing. Dude, it's, and it's so frustrating. It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, you must watch, you have to watch an episode of um, Cleared Hot, um, Andy Stumpf, with 
the comedian Brandon Callum, they talk, it's the tactical asshole. Okay. <laughs> because Andy Stump's a retired Navy SEAL, so he knows shit about shooting. <laughs> and Brandon Callum, he's just a fucking, he's a comedian, an actor. <laughs> so, like, he'll be, like, pretending, and Andy Stump's constantly on him. Stop crossing your fucking thumbs. <laughs> it's That's not a yolder gun. That's hilarious. But like, mm. this is the thing. Like, mm. you know, you, you spoke about teaching women how to shoot and how that's easier. And it's funny that you mentioned that because with with the bushcrafting courses, mm. I found that girls were, girls, women, were much better at taking their time to figure out how did the guys did it quickly. Yeah. But the the girls took the time to do it perfect. Yeah. And when I say perfect, it was the best they could do. Mm. The guys just cracked it out. Yeah, the guys are like, fuck, this guy's getting me. Oh, I've got to beat him. I've got to beat him. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and, I, and I don't think it's, it's even a conscious decision mm. a lot of the time. It's just like, it just feels like they should be. I mean, I was at Huntix. Um, at the Morris stand, the Morick Neve stand, when I was ambassador for Morick Neve. And um, I was teaching this uh, one lady. She, We had a stand there where we were carving spoons and bowls mm. and, and things like that with all the Mora sloyd mm. knives and things like that. And uh, I was teaching this uh, lady how to carve a spoon. And this this husband of, of this lady... Uh, came through and uh, he was like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. And this is the wrong kind of wood to use and what, what, what. And and this is this is pine. I'm like, it's not pine. And he's like, no, 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 it's pine. I know I've, I've been working with wood for ages and, and I know it's pine. And I'm like, well, that's funny because it's it's yellow tongue wood. Yeah. Yeah. I, was it yellow tongue wood? I think it was. I think that's a word. Yeah. Mm. It was yellow something. Um, and, uh, he was just arguing the toss and I was just like, I haven't like some arguments are just not worth having. Yeah. Especially when you know what you know, what you're talking about. Yeah. Like get on your bike and fuck off. Yeah. Anyway, the, the lady was, was great. And she, she, she took from that experience, she took, uh, a full set of Morik Neve's loading knives. Awesome. So yeah, it was it's mm. brilliant, and the and the chicks were just cracking at it, and they they would because they take the time to just listen mm. and understand what it is that you're saying, they do it they do it quite well. Mm. Obviously, with time, it gets way better. Well, I think it's it's a a male thing where you're expected to know it. So even uh, a lot of men suffer from imposter syndrome. So you you feel like you're there to do a specific. It's like in your job, you're there to yeah. do a specific job, and yeah. even if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you got to pretend to know what you the fuck you because the people are paying you money. Yeah. And even though you do know what you're doing, you've got that doubt in your mind. Yeah. Uh, you know. I hope they don't figure out that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Because most of the guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you, with, you're with, still trying to figure out the right way to do the mm. thing that you're doing. Um, and even if, 
I mean, Stuart's been making knives for a long time. Yeah. And he's still learning as he's going along because he's trying to uh, improve his skill, but he's also, he doesn't want to stay at the same level where it's just comfort. Yeah, and ego is the hobgoblin of little minds, mm. I think. So the thing is with ego is that mm. if you don't know something, mm. how can you be egotistical about it? Mm. There's no fucking point. Yeah, there is no point. There's no point. Like, I'm not going to teach you how to make a fucking hammer because mm. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Right? And and there's no there shouldn't be any ego in that. Mm. So like I mean it's it's like I mean over the camping weekend yeah we were all carving spoons yeah I'm not being a dick I know how to carve spoons I'm mm. not saying I'm the best at it but I can mm. but there's no reason to show off yeah I know that my skill level is where I need it mm. and it can obviously always improve and mm. I do make mistakes of course but there's there's a there's a time where you need to demonstrate things mm -hmm. and but you don't need to actively show people i know my shit mm. yeah, you if, you, if you're teaching of course there's mm. there's things that you need to do to show people what you can accomplish and that's mm. inspirational yeah but you don't need to be like <laughs> go to a braai and start a fire with friction why mm. the fuck why <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like i know how to do it mm. but for what yeah, for what? To pull out your dick and see who's is bigger? That's what I was going to get. Fuck off. Yeah. No. There's, there's a time and place to to um, display your yes. uh, your talent or your, your mastery of a thing. Absolutely. But there's also time to sit back and allow other people to partake in that activity. Yes. And to learn themselves. And if you mm. see them doing mm. something unsafe, yes, mm. you help. Mm. And you show them how, and if they don't listen and they cut themselves twice in one night, well... Stone a mat. Stone a mat. <laughs> stone a mat. Shout out to my man, Stone a mat. But, um... Yeah. I respect him because mm. he was trying. Yeah. He was trying. Yeah. And that guy focuses. Mm. But that night he wasn't. Anyway, the point is, mm. the, the ambition to learn something mm. is... Like, it's incredible. Yeah, and you can see it in people. Yeah, if they if they if they genuinely don't give a fuck, mm. you can see it quickly, mm. and they will do a half-assed job. But if they're genuinely trying, mm. you can see. And I mean, the the whole imposter syndrome is that's why I don't really do courses mm. because I don't feel enough that I know enough to teach people. Yeah. That's and why that's, <laughs> that's why I actually need to start teaching people so that I can learn at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the thing is about teaching people is that stuff that seems that seems like I don't know, like a skill level that you mm. may have that you consider or you regard mm. as relatively simple to achieve. Mm. Yeah, it's simple to you. Mm. But when other people see it, they're like, what the fuck? Taper tangs. Taper tang. First time I did a taper tang, I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Mm. Jack showed me. and I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. That makes sense. And, 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 then, I, and then I was able to do it. But this is the thing. Like when, when you can make, let's take, for example, a spoon. Mm. Okay. When people 
when and and you spoke earlier about not thinking that you know enough to mm. teach people you do mm. but you don't realize it until you actually teach people yeah okay and this is the <clears> thing because when i started I, I had been doing bushcraft for for many years and i decided that i wanted to start teaching because i i love people i mm. i enjoy sharing the knowledge that i've mm. acquired mm. and helping other people to get that gratification of making their first spoon or making their first friction fire and the and and i mean it sounds trivial as fuck it does mm. because it's fucking fire mm. okay and it's something we take for granted every day mm. but the thing about it is to make that connection with our primitive past mm. and to actually achieve something through hard work good form understanding the materials that you're using to achieve mm. that task people's faces when they make friction fire light up like you cannot believe i mean on on the was it the saturday night Yeah. Friday night. No, no, Friday night. Yeah. Friday night. Yeah. I started the fire. Okay, I didn't make a bird's nest. I just wanted I to made s- the bird's nest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could get an ember with a piece of char cloth, a flint and a steel. Yeah. And I got an ember. And then I put the ember onto a piece of punkwood that I learned what punkwood is. Yeah. Woo, I learned something. Yeah. And I got that ember to a state that you could ignite a bird's nest. And yeah. that was just so fucking satisfying. It's gratifying as fuck. Yeah. It, I think we don't that comes back to slowing down a bit is that we don't yeah. take the time to appreciate the simple things. Absolutely. Uh uh there's a, that saying that you need to stop every now and then to smell the roses. Absolutely. Yeah. Or yeah. the the other saying I wanted to say earlier was in order to finish first first you must finish true wow that's a good way of looking at it so Where did you hear that ah uh, some <laughs> who said that i said it just now <laughs> no it was some i think it was a race car driver or something it's like you know but that's so true though yeah you know, in order to finish first first yeah. you must finish wow so that's profound you have to what's it you know the end point is where you want to get to but you know you've got to do the journey to get there absolutely absolutely and uh, there's no fucking shortcuts there's no shortcuts and i think i think in this day and age of of i mean like there's so much instant gratification it's not mm. even funny but that's what i like so much about bushcraft like i'm mm. i'm so into nature it's hippie yeah. like but I enjoy showing people things that I've learned and and I'm not mm. the greatest out there mm. I, I'm really not but it's enjoyable for me to see other people succeed. Mm. And I mean <clears throat> the the guy that taught me most of the stuff I know about the bush which is fuck all. No, I know a little bit. Mm. But um Sylvia that's my best friend from school's dad. Um that guy's knowledge on plants. Mm is fucking phenomenal. I mean, they moved to they bought a farm at Thornhill. Mm. And he used to literally go for a walk at least when we we're building the house. He would go for a walk at least once a week. Mm. And he would take his fucking tree book. Mm. And he would go and learn to identify the different trees on his farm. 
and and learning how to identify trees is is a great thing to do but mm. learning what those trees can do for you mm. is even more incredible yeah and i mean he doesn't just go oh it's a yellow wood you'll know the scientific name you'll know the family yeah and you'll know how to identify it from the type of leaf and then you go to the mm. how the branches or the the bark on the tree and, and whether it's tight grained or mm, soft wood or yeah, and like, the sap and, yeah. and all sorts of things so um yeah his knowledge on that but what was great is when we used to go out hunting or go walking in the bush mm. he would show me small little things you know mm. little tidbits yeah and there yeah and you start picking up on so much it's not just bush yeah you know, and it's, it's, it's not it's, just every bush has got a because it's thornhill every bush has got a thorn on it just about yeah but it's like yeah this is this type of tree and they used to use that for like uli note wild olive yes they used to use the it's it's a very strong wood mm. but they're not kiddies yeah yeah they used to make it out of wild olive we we used to make them we used to harvest them out in the bush mm. and make knot carries and the thing is he also taught me that when you're hunting if you're hunting in a certain area yeah the bushbuck like the wild olive leaves is that right okay. but because they are limited in height they can't always get to the leaves sure. so if you want to sort of bait a trap okay sort of what type of thing yeah you break off some branches and you leave them on the ground and this is bushbuck eh? and this is bushbuck okay so they'll come and they'll find that and and then you can pick up if they are active in the area or things like that i wouldn't even say that's baiting because it's just being it's just being resourceful yeah that's it's it's bush knowledge and it's mm. and it and you're making your job easier because of your bush knowledge mm. which yeah. is clever it's clever that's very clever i mean yeah, there's there's pros and cons to baited or strictly baited hunts. I don't yeah, look, if you go to a Lucerne field and you, you fucking wait there to shoot, that's not hunting. It's a, it's a, it's a different way of doing. It's not hunting, but it's harvesting meat. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah. look, you can get you can get stuck up on on the. Mm. Um, sort of ethics behind hunting mm. and whatever like shooting off the back of a bucky is mm. in my opinion it's not hunting but that's my opinion yeah it's not hunting but it, it's harvesting it's meat, harvesting so. meat yeah because at the end of the day <clears throat> you because of the situations where we live um everything's fenced sure so when the population gets to a point yes. where it starts becoming detrimental to the to environment control. you need to control the numbers yeah. Yeah. And if you're in a farming area, yeah, and you're growing certain crops, yeah. You know, if a troop of baboons comes Ooh, through there, they can wreck that harvest. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean it, it affects your livelihood. Baboons break shit for no reason. Oh and yeah, they, and, and they they love fucking shit up. Yeah, they've got a the art of of uh, Oh, look at this. Let's see if we can fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but I mean bushpig and warthog yeah if they get into fields you know they won't just go and eat their full they will just plow through the whole fucking lot yeah they're, they're very destructive animals yeah um, and look they're part of the environment yeah. and they need to be there but they need to be they need to be controlled because we don't have the natural predators anymore yeah 
Uh, I mean, yeah, there's leopard out there and things like that, but you don't have lion walking around on all the farms. Yeah, well, I mean, we had leopard on the reserve. But, but a leopard has a, a very limited impact mm. on the wildlife mm. because it's all a balance. Yeah. If there's not enough food, the, the animals go hungry. So if there's not enough uh, natural food, they're going to fuck food. your shit up. Yeah, they're going to fuck. But also, if, if a leopard's in an area and there's not enough animals for it, he'll go to where there's animals that he can feed on. Sure. And it's the same with, with buck. If there's not food for them, they're going to fuck off to a place they are going to get food or yes. they're going to die yeah. if they can't get there. Sure. Absolutely. But, I mean... <clears throat> How the fuck did we get to this topic? We were talking about bushcraft. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Like, so you know, bushcraft is... Like, a lot of people say, oh, it's survival stuff. No, it's not. Survival is in my opinion, a very sort of like tactical sort of way of looking like prepper shit. And like, I'm not saying it's shit. Like it's always good to be prepared. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody, mm. but I'm just saying like, for, for me, I prefer bushcraft because it's, it's look, it's selling out at the moment. If I'm honest, mm. it's selling out because it's becoming more about the gear and less about the experience. And I mean, uh, Paul Kirtley, um, a guy I interviewed quite a while back, um, he used to be one of Ray Mir's instructors. Okay. And I interviewed him, and I was watching the Paul Kirtley podcast the other day. Well, he's when I say watching it, I was watching it on YouTube. Mm. Um, and he was talking about a knife, and he was talking about how much gear review he, he does do, which is very, very, very little. Mm. because for him bushcraft is what it is it's it's knowledge and the application of that knowledge out in the bush mm. and bushcraft actually was coined the the term bushcraft i believe was coined in australia originally mm. because it was coined by a guy named richard henry graves which was he was an irish born australian irish born australian so yeah. he's a criminal well, you don't end up Australia and issue criminal. No, we're just kidding. We're just <laughs> kidding, Alex <laughs> and Sam. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's but I think that, that, that that's where the, the, the term bushcraft was. But I think that that bushcrafting stuff comes, I think that may have, have the influence of the Aboriginals there because I mean, they were ingenious. I mean, they learned to live within the nature. Um, Within the net. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So they they used they learnt what uh, you, you what to use different plants for for medicine or for yeah. It's like I think it was okay. It's probably not legit Aboriginal stuff, but in one of Crocodile Dundee's films, it's like they were walking through the 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 what's it the mangroves or the fucking swamp or whatever and. He came across an Aboriginal guy and he said, oh, how do you walk through? The, the woman asked him, how do you walk through the thing in the night? He said, no, you just think your way through it. And then he's like, oh, shit. When he stepped in something, he's like, yeah, you're not thinking your way through it. You're thinking about shit. You, you know what that probably is referring to mm. is the Aboriginal uh, song maps. 
Okay. I haven't heard of that, but it sounds interesting. I can't remember exactly how it works. I'm, I don't. I don't want to misquote information, but from from what I remember about hearing about the subject is that Aboriginals had certain songs mm-hmm. that would, or I think it was songs, yeah, that would lead them to a specific resource, whether mm-hmm. it was water, food, or uh, materials. Mm-hmm. I, I read something about that, mm. and um, and then there's Dream Time. You know dream about time? Dream Time? No. I think it's some sort of a trance that okay. they go into. I'm not. I'm not sure. As I say, I don't want to misquote information here, but mm. um, I believe it's some sort of a trance, whether it's um, induced by some sort of. Uh, DMT trip or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm, know. S- I'm sure, you know. And now we go down the DMT rabbit hole. Like <laughs> that's such a rabbit hole to go down. What does it stand for again? DMT dimeth dimethyl trilate. Oh fuck, fuck! Something. What the fuck are that? <laughs> I know what TNT stands for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's just uh, quickly hop onto Google here. Google. What the fuck, over? Auntie G. Onto G, and we'll get the. But something I I learned very recently, and we had discussed this as well, is that apparently some of the acacia trees mm. have high levels of DMT in them. Okay. So DM, DMT. Apparently. So the whole whole discussion there was that the story of Moses and the burning bush that he was tripping balls on DMT. Yeah, well, it's, it's dimethyl... Dimethyl... Um, uh, tripe... Triptamine. Tri- oh, fuck. Dimethyl triptamine. 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 Okay. Uh, formula is C12H16N2. Base. That sounds too hectic for me to contemplate. Yeah, but it's a... It's a it's a chemical substance that occurs in many plants and animals and which is a both a derivative and a structural analog of tryptamine. It can be consumed as a psychedelic drug and has, has historically been prepared by various cultures for ritual purposes as an insogene, whatever the fuck that is. But yeah, it's too, it's fun so- facts with with the open heart cast. Mm. <laughs> I think we should do a fun facts episode. Oh, f- fun, fun, fun facts in a section of an episode. I yeah. Think that's, but yeah, DMT is a, it's a hallucinogenic and uh, there's some, my understanding is a, a lot of uh, shamanic or even uh, religious or things relied on uh, hallucinogenics to have these visions and dreams or whatever. Which apparently are quite enlightening mm. which i which i can totally relate to just just in terms of weed which is not yeah. even there i mean that's thc and mm. and cbd mm. which but, gives you the psychedelic effect though it's the thc isn't it uh the the thc gives you the narcotic effect the cbd gives you the medicinal effect so cbd oil has got a lot of uh, medicinal properties for anti-inflammatories yes. and, and things yes. like and, that. And even in uh, in um, uh, epilepsy as well. Mm. Yeah. 
and uh, the the THC is the so-called uh, narcotic effect or okay. the, the uh, intoxicating effect is a psychedelic effect is that the wrong terminology that's a, that's a wrong because psychedelic is okay it's a narcotic effect but psychedelic is a different conscious level so it's like when you are hallucinating okay it's a hallucinogenic okay yeah okay so that's what the psychedelics are because the psychedelics, I think, relates to the hippies, where it's like all these psychedelic colors or okay. these these very visual trips you go on. Yeah. Where, um, it's not to say you can't have it with weed, but uh, in an edible format. I would say ed- I was just going to say in an in, edible format. In an edible format, it's for sure. It's completely different because edib- if you smoke it. You get a different narcotic effect because you're, you're absorbing it differently into your yes. body. But if you take it as an edible, mm. it actually gets uh, processed through your uh, gets processed through your liver yeah, and broken which, down, which brings out the hallucinogenic side of it. Right, mm. right, right, right. Because and we were talking about this earlier as well that the the effects that you get with smoking weed versus ingesting it mm, it's through edibles is it's completely different it's mm. um i mean you tr- i trip so much harder on on uh, edibles than than what i do on weed me too okay me for me smoking weed doesn't really do that much yeah but we were smoking a weak type and yeah. it was a blunt yeah but it, it it's, wasn't it, it Put it this way, it wasn't the same as when I was a student. But I think it when I was a student I had a different strain. So Sure. Um but edibles on the other hand. Oh my goodness. That Listen. that when you can start see if you close your eyes and you can see the beat of the music in it's, different colours. It's a bit hectic. Yeah, it, but it depends on what state of mind you're in. Yeah. So I had prepared myself mentally for it. Mm. And I was going into it with an open mind. So it's like, I am in control. Yeah. But well, it depends on how many brownies you eat, doesn't it? Well, if you have a whole brownie by yourself. Judas Priest. Yeah, it's hectic, bro. <laughs> it's that, hectic. That, but that stuff makes you flip and cotch rivers, man. No. It, it, for me, it was... Fine, but <laughs> then, for, not not for any of us, yeah. But but for me, it's, it's like... Medication works differently on different people. So like... Yeah. The medication I take for depression, one of the pills I take, I'm on a 20 milligram of acetylopram, and my wife takes a 10 milligram. But the first time she took it, the writing on the pillows went fucking neon. So she was tripping balls. And for me, it doesn't have that effect. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. like I've got a different tolerance for medication. Yeah. So, like, if you give me a still knocks. Yeah. Which is a sleeping tablet. Yeah. I'll sleep for four hours. Jesus. That's it. If Chantal takes half a still knocks, she sleeps for eight hours and she wakes up groggy. Judas Priest. So, okay, so it's, like, it's, it's, it's different. It, it's tolerances for your body metabolizes and to- has different tolerances yeah. depending on the person and their, yeah. their makeup. Yeah. So the first time I did edibles, was a crazy experience for me because I was like, first of all, I didn't know that we were doing edibles. We went to this place 
and they didn't serve alcohol. And I said to my friend Matt, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, Stoner Matt. Stoner Matt. Um, but yeah, so we went there and I was not informed mm. at all. I didn't, I, I thought this was some shitty ba- bakery. And <laughs> it was a different kind of bakery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you were baking for sure. <laughs> but I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I must have been a dumb fuck. But um, I got there and I was hungry. And they didn't serve any burgers or any anything that I wanted to eat, but I was hungry. And we were there. And so I went to the bakery downstairs. Mm. And I went there and I said to the guy, what muffins have you got? And he's got, ah, oh, we got this, we got this, we got this. And I said, look, I'll have the chocolate chip and I have three muffins. And he's like, three. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, three. Three muffins. I mean, I'm hungry. What the fuck? And so he still says to me, are you sure? I'm like, what the fuck is this guy going on about? When someone says to you, are you sure? That's a time to stop. Slow the fuck down. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't but... know. I didn't know. So, so mm. I get there. I get my three muffins. This guy's like, you fucking insane. Yeah. Stoner Matt. Judas Priest. So Matt and I get three muffins each. <laughs> right? We finish them. And this chick decides she can't eat her muffin. We're still hungry. Mm. So we halved the muffin. So mm. we had three and a half muffins each. <laughs> my dude. Listen here. <laughs> it was a problem, bro. I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Because and, and, unlike smoking it, mm. edibles does nothing for the... F- it takes about... Yeah, it takes a while. 45 minutes to an hour or even an hour and a half. But... When it hits, it's like that steam train, man. Judas Priest. It's it's hectic. It's, it's from f- from zero to flat out, like zero to past hero mm. to fucking villain. Like, well, that's if you have three fucking three and a half. Months. Dude, I was dead, eh? I I was I was sitting in the car with Matt, and we were we were dead. He said to me, "Dude, I, I can't drop. <laughs> I can't drop." I'm like, "Dude, let's just sit here." And we were sitting there and I remember closing my eyes because I was like, I was in a weird place. Mm. Weird, weird, weird. Not not bad, but just mm. a weird place. And an uncomfortable re- place. A very, very uncomfortable place. And I remember seeing the most vivid image of this colorful cobra in my head. Okay. King cobra. Mm. And, I, and, it, and it was vicious. Like it was, mm. yo, bro. It was such a trip, mm. and that was that was my first experience with edibles. And ever since then, I've been extremely cautious with any form of edible. Mm. And I've done it again since then, and I'm and I'm glad that that I've got a good relationship <laughs> with it now and a and a and a healthy respect for it. Yeah. Don't if somebody asks you if you're sure that you want three muffins, you got to contemplate things. You've yeah. got to be like, why the fuck is this guy asking me if I want three innocent muffins? Yeah. Because they're well, not so innocent. Uh, they look innocent, but they bite you. When when I was dating my ex-wife and I decided to move into a flat or I bought a, a townhouse and we decided to move in together. And my mother said to me, are you sure? <laughs> she knew yeah 
Yeah, if somebody asks you, are you sure? you got to think about things. Now, my mother's very subtle when it comes to things like that. She won't go and straight up and say, you're being fucking stupid, Timothy. But she says, are you sure? Then then the alarm bells should trigger on. Yeah. And, you know, after I, I had a, I've got a very good friend, Darren, um, and uh, we played, we worked together and we played football together and we played golf together and we drank a shit ton of <laughs> Branded together. Yeah. But uh, when I got divorced, he moved. he's moved over to the UK now, and he was back for a wedding. Mm. And I had, since they got divorced, I had met Chantal, and she was down in PE for a family holiday. And Darren was there from the UK, and he said, well, let's meet up. We'll go to a pub, and we'll have a couple of drinks. And he's like, we walk into the place, and the first words – he tells me because it's the first time I've seen him or spoken to him since I got divorced. And he said, I just want to tell you, I fucking told you so. <laughs> <laughs> because when I started dating my crazy ex bitch, he said, Dude, no. Yeah. You're fucking up here. Yeah. yeah. This is a psycho bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to wake up one day and there's going to be a bunny boiling on your stove. <laughs> <laughs> that comes from. That the, sounds like a Western Cape story for me. No, that comes from the movie, <laughs> which you probably haven't watched because you're uneducated. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. What is that? It's a movie about a guy who has an affair with this chick, but she's a bunny boiler. That's where the term bunny boiler comes from. Never heard of it. Though. She. He tried to break it off with her, and he came home from a trip with his wife. Yeah. And she had cooked the pet bunny on his stove. What the fuck? She was a pet bunny. Yeah, she was cuckoo's ne? Yeah, yeah, she was not all there. That's hectic. Okay, I think we're gonna have to pause it here because I think we have one of the children arriving home. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna pause it. We're gonna get coffee. Yeah. And then we're going to come back. And maybe we'll move on to the next topic because yes. I think we're going down a dark passage. A rabbit hole, quite literally. A rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to grab coffee. Yeah. And then we'll be back. And what are we going to talk about next? Brooklyn Knife Show. Brooklyn Knife Show. Yes, we've got some big plans there. Um, no strippers, unfortunately. Apparently, can't have strippers in a public place. But, yeah. Most unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be back with coffee and a schmuck. And a pancake. And a pancake. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast, and we'll see you again real soon.